Well, welcome to today's show. Uh, my guest is Kim Fuller, who is the Community Arts Development Officer for Walsall Borough Council. Hello. Hello. Nice to have you here. Uh, we'll talk about a whole range of things, but I'm doing something that you're involved with at the moment, I'm told, which is the Action Research Projects at Longhouse. That's right, yes. That's uh, something we, that we instigated. I'm really glad that you're part of that. And tell me about that. What is that? It's part of a wider programme of uh, projects called Working Parts, which I keep getting wrong because I keep calling it moving parts. So I've got to <laughs> correct myself. It's called working parts. Um, and it's a, a collection of organisations that have got together to have a look at arts and disability in the black country. And the Longhouse Project in particular is a training programme for developing artists, which I, I've heard that you are. <laughs> well, it could be a vicious rumour, but yes, it's true. <laughs> so what? what uh, I hope you keep a, a solid track on these artists as it's public money finding out exactly what they're doing on a daily basis i hope i don't know about daily i'm not gonna <laughs> i don't plan to webcam your bathroom or anything like that but yeah yeah seriously yeah it, it is public money it's um it's funded from european social fund money so yeah we do have to keep an eye on it because it's um it's everybody's money but we hope to think that we spend it in the right direction and I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> I agree. I agree, and I am. I am spending my my part of it anyway in the right direction. So, so coming back to the being, well, let's talk about you first. You're from this area. I'm a Dudley girl. I am. You're yeah. a Dudley girl. Yeah, I've got. I'm like a stick of Teddy Gray's rock. If you chop me in half, I have got Dudley printed right through the middle of me. <laughs> <laughs> and and so, have you left it for long periods, or have you always worked and and whatever around? Um, I've I've all I've always lived in Dudley. Mm-hmm. Um, I've moved. I've I've worked in different places, but not uh, not lived in different places. Mm. I'm I'm working in Austria at the weekend. Are <laughs> oh, you indeed? Whereabouts in Austria? In Vienna. And what's at Vienna at the weekend? I'm uh, I'm singing in Vienna. You're singing. Not in the choir. I'm not in the boys' choir. You're they, singing. They wouldn't have me. Right. I heard something about you being a bit of a singer, actually. Yeah, a bit of a singer. Uh, and so we we'll, we'll, well, let's talk about that. So. Why? Uh, where did you start to sing? Um, I was quite a late developer. I didn't start until I was in my twenties because I was um, I was turned down from quite a lot of places because of my uh, my very cute walk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wasn't I wasn't allowed in those days to audition. It's a big big shift now, big change. I'm so glad to say, but just as far back as the seventies, which is when I would have been doing my auditions, hmm. I'd walk into a room. With you can't my... be that old. Oh, I am. Yeah. You would have been about ten. That's right. No, I was only two. <laughs> uh, I was a child actor, and I, I'd walk into rooms uh, limping quite badly and and wouldn't get auditioned. It's as simple as that. I was just told, um, sorry, no. So you were a child actor? No. No. <laughs> Shucks. So what, what, what do you sing? What are you singing in Austria? At the uh, rock and roll. I'm a rock and roll singer. You're a rock and roll. So yeah. have you got a band? In Austria, yeah, I've got a, I've got a few, but uh, there's one out there's one out there that I've been working with now for about fifteen years on and off. And what are they called? They're called Little Frankie and the Town Beats. Little, and you didn't bring any CDs in by any chance? I didn't. No. <laughs> I wasn't here to talk about me. I was here to talk about you. Well, because you have a jukebox in your kitchen, is that right? I do. Who's told you that? <laughs> You've got a webcam, have you? got a webcam in my house. <laughs> I have spies across the country. <laughs> and what kind of music have you got on your jukebox in your kitchen? Uh, it gets changed quite regularly, which, which upsets me because 
it's a 1960s jukebox, so I think it should have 1950s and 60s music on it always. But when you've got teenagers, they, they delve yeah. into your record collection. And this is vinyl records? Vinyl, oh, yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's quite funny. Can I, can I tell you about my, you my vinyls? I was a DJ. I used to be a DJ back in the uh, 70s, and I've got quite a large vinyl collection, which is why we got the jukebox. Mm. But stupidly, I forgot that the records that you put on a jukebox have to have the middles cut out of them. And I couldn't bear to cut the middles out of my vinyls. So we've had to go out and look for vinyls with the middles missing so that we can put them on the jukebox. So some of my favourite records will never, ever be on the jukebox. And what kind of tracks are we talking about? I was a bit of a soul chick, actually. Were you indeed? Well, growing up in Dudley, that's, you know, all of my mates were, uh, were into soul and reggae. So, yeah, I was a, I was a soul sister. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of soul classics do you like? Um, I like some of the northern northern soul stuff. I, oh, well, mm. I suppose some of the cheesy ones, I guess, from my youth, like Wigan's Chosen Few. <laughs> Wigan's Chosen Few? And I've What got is Wigan's Chosen Few? Skiing in the snow. Don't you, don't you remember? How old are you? I can't, I can't tell. You tell me how old you are. No. <laughs> Oh, you can't ask a lady her no, age. I'm, I'm 46. Are you? Oh, well, we're very close. We're very close. Very close. I'm still just a little bit older, but not much at all. Well, my brothers are into soul, but yeah. mainly kind of uh, American soul. Yeah. So I grew up on, like, Marvin Gaye, Isaac Hayes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, early Stevie Wonder. And, uh, you know, one of my favourite albums is Trouble Man by Marvin Gaye, which is a great album. And, you know, Smokey Robinson and, and all that kind of stuff. yeah. Do you know one of my favourite bands? And I get a laugh at for this. But right since the 50s, when they started out as Clyde McFatter mm-hmm. and the Drifters, I still love the Drifters now. The Drifters? Mm. So what, did you travel up to the north and go to the Northern Soul discos? Yeah, I did. I did as a, as a teenager. I only went a couple of times to Wigan. But I do. Re- I remember taking shoes in a bag. That seemed to be a very important part of your kit. <laughs> I'm intrigued by Wigan's Chosen Few. What are Wigan's chosen? It was a band. It was a band. Yeah, they had a hit ski. I think it was called Skiing in the Snow. Skiing in the Snow. How bizarre. Because I go to Wigan a lot. Yeah? To watch football. I've been to the pier. My son. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the football ground is opposite the pier. (laughs) My son is a Wigan supporter and we're season ticket. Obviously, we go to Wigan every other week uh, for my sins. And uh, the idea that Wigan had a band called Wigan's Chosen Few is just... I don't know if they were from Wigan. Well, you have to be. Why else could have been? Well, why would you call yourself Wigan? I Wigan's don't know. I suppose the Detroit Spinners were from Detroit, weren't they? They were indeed. Although mm. they were only the Detroit Spinners in England, weren't they? I don't know. Yeah, because they were actually the Spinners. But because we already had that folk group called the Spinners. Oh, the Cardigan Bunch, yeah. That's it. So all their albums released in Britain were called the Detroit Spinners. Oh, right. And I was a big Detroit Spinners You're very fan. knowledgeable there, aren't you? Very knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> I was a big, big Detroit Sinners, uh, Spinners fan. I think they're one of the best. See, the Detroit men. Sinners, now that would have been a good name. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's what? What have you got a, a band in Dudley? Uh, no, no, I haven't got a band in Dudley. In the UK? A um, couple, yeah. Tell me what they're called. I don't know if I'm allowed. Am I allowed to do all this? Of course you can. I'm the lady from the council. We'll um, talk about the council. <laughs> it's so I was that the working, people can get to know who you are. I was working last uh, Friday night with a band called the Reservoir Cats. Mm. And that, that was in Bridgend in Wales. Mm. And what's the other band? 
um, that you work with? Who can I give a name check to? Oh, uh, someone, what are they called? Oh, I can't say that, can I? No, you probably can't. No, I can't say that. I was, <laughs> I was just thinking of one then, and they've not got a very choice name. So, no, I don't think I should say them. Um, I'll get back to you with that one. So, how, how, <laughs> how is it that you work with lots of different bands? It's just the way it's evolved. I did have a band. I did have a band. And what was your band called? It was uh, the Nightcaps. The Nightcaps. And they were yeah. based here, were they? Yeah, we were a local black country band. And how long ago was that? Um, we had our first single release in 1985. Mm-hmm. And did it do well? Uh, it could have. <laughs> <laughs> You mean no? No, no, it didn't, but it's political why it didn't. So, yeah. And you want to tell us about that? Um, what can I say? Well, yeah, I suppose I can say everything now, can't I? We were, we were, uh, we were, we were bought, if you, bought out, if you like, by a, a company mm-hmm. who, um, who then went on to have the Christmas hit that year. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were, it was a novelty record that we had and we were put out for that market. And um, and we were just sat on, <laughs> so that, uh, that that's that's what some companies do. They um, they buy up all of the people who are potential threats to their mm. their hit. And so, do you make money doing this? Um, well, we now. well they gave us they gave us money, but mm. it's uh, it's a bit like oh, you mean now? Well, both now do I? You well, it, well, it's I suppose it's um, now that now that I work full time, um, it's just a, a hobby, I guess. Mm. And, and you're the lead singer? Yeah. Do you play instruments? No. I've got a washboard. You've got a washboard? Yeah. B- yeah. But do you, do you play that or do you just wash on it? <laughs> <laughs> no, you Because you I haven't do. had electricity in Dudley that long, have you? I sometimes think the neighbours send their washing in for <laughs> us as well, but uh, <laughs> no, I just use it to play. <gasps> and, and so I, how, how, how comes you've got this contact in Austria? I, I've been going to Austria for years, Um and um, went out the first time with uh, to, to work with Frankie, little Frankie in the town beats, and we became really good friends. And it's it's progressed from there. I've got quite a few quite a few fans in Austria. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I'm just intrigued. How, how did you get into this? Then it was it just as a teenager you wanted to sing and yeah, I did. I, I wanted to um, I, I wanted to be an actress. Mm. I, I, I guess early on mm. but as I've already said it, it and it seems so in, so incredible now that um that it wasn't possible but in those days you know not that far back as they were it, it wasn't it wasn't altogether easy if you had any kind of disability mm-hmm. to cross to to be a mainstream uh, performer mm-hmm. and I you know, I'm, you know the day this was the days probably around the beginning of Grey Eye Mm-hmm. The theatre company, so um, this this was just before that. And did you were did you join Grey Eye? No, no, no. And, no but you would have if there'd been something similar in the Midlands. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would have. But um, so have you always identified yourself as a disabled person? Uh, yeah. Or did you fight it as a teenager like many people no, do? No, I didn't. I've never, I've never had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. That's how it. That's how it was. That's me. It's part of me. It's like having blue eyes or. Mm. You know, brown skin, whatever. It's it's me. I'd got a I'd got a disability. Mm. <laughs> and some people don't like that, you know. And some disabled people don't have that kind of um, 
Confidence. Well, I wouldn't call it confidence now because I'm not criticising. It's just that different. Uh, that, that's our prerogative, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's to identify ourselves as we wish to uh, to identify ourselves, and and I I wished to do that. I didn't have a problem with it mm-hmm. at all. So, what are the the five most played records on your jukebox? Well, they change. Um, I've, I think one of my favourites is Twisting the Night Away, Sam Cooke. Mm. I like that on my jukebox. Uh, but we've got a couple of punk records on at the moment. They get, they're getting played a lot. Have you indeed? Yeah. And so are you on Free Cycle? Because people often give away their vinyl singles on Free Cycle. Never heard of that. Free Cycle is a, is, it's a national thing, and it's basically if you've got something you don't want anymore, you put it on Free Cycle for free, oh, and then someone right, yeah, can come yeah. and have it. Or you can put requests for stuff. And so, for example, I would say only six months ago I gave away all my vinyl singles <gasps> on Free Cycle. Never. But occasionally, and it's worth joining because people put up, you get a lot of emails and obviously quite a lot of them are stuff you don't want. But it's worth it because you occasionally see the, you know, a, a perfect item that you want. And people are often giving away uh, vinyl records. Mm. So it may be worth I shall doing look. that. So... <laughs> Going to write it down there. <laughs> Free cycle. Right. And, uh, and it's a shame. I didn't know you then because I would have probably given them to you and there's lots of soul stuff in it. Oh, now you tell me. And, cl- and, and equally or more conventional stuff from like Tom Jones classics. Oh, I love a bit of Tom. Tom Jones. All the, all the original singles of Tom Jones. I had all of them in it. As well as things like Bobby Bloom and, you know, Give Him a Hand and, you know, a whole range of stuff and... You're just rubbing it in there. None. Stop. It's a shame because, you know, <laughs> I, they could have gone to a, a good home of someone I knew rather than just a stranger yeah, who came to the door and said, could I have them? Yeah. And I said, yes. I'd have had to cut the middles out there. Oh, that would have been fine. In fact, having said that, uh, they, the middles were out of quite a few of them. Because <sighs> I remember on our record player, we used to have a, a little middle that you could put on to play 45s that had the... Yeah, the middle cut. Yeah, out. that's that's right. There's a, a triangle. That's it. With triangle thing, yeah. And so that was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you missed out there. You missed an opportunity. <sighs> gutted, I am gutted. But we, we, I want to talk a bit more about you being in a band. Then, so, <laughs> <laughs> so did you try and do it full time when you sort of became employable age? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I. I um, or did you do it full time? I I didn't do it full time when I became employable age. No, I did it full time. Um, in the mid eighties, when mm-hmm. we'd got the band together, that was uh, that was my job then, because by then I'd realised that no one was going to do it for me, mm-hmm. uh, no one was going to let me join their company or their band or what, whatever. So I'd got to do it myself. So we got the band around me, um, and but but no, I, I didn't. When I when I left school, I went to uh, I, I went into journalism. And where did you do that? Uh, I, I went into the Dudley Herald, which mm-hmm. was which is gone now, mm-hmm. which is the local Dudley newspaper. So, did you go to university? No. And do kind of journalism or any courses like that? Um, I did on the job training. Mm. I think that beeping that you might be able to hear might be my phone silently, silently going off in my pocket. <laughs> uh, not that silent because <laughs> I can hear it, which reminds me I should probably turn mine off. Is mine on? Oh, I've turned mine off. I thought I'd turn mine off, but obviously I haven't. <laughs> no worries, I'll play a record in a minute. All right, okay. Yeah, how I went long to did it. you do the journalism? I, I did that until um, until I turned pro as a singer. So from uh, seventy eight to eighty five, I ended up working at the Evening Mail 
in Birmingham. Birmingham Evening Room. Yeah. And what, what kind yeah. of... Were you just a general journalist or did you specialise in music or...? I started off as a general mm-hmm. reporter to, to train and let me tell you, it's initiation by fire. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an incredible job to train to do. I think I, I was so immature. I was only 18, by the way, but I was so immature until I started the training because you, you really get to know so many things within such a short space of time. And then I, uh, I specialised afterwards because I enjoyed the writing more than I enjoyed the reporting. Mm-hmm. In fact, I never, I never really enjoyed the reporting side of it. Mm. It's not particularly in my nature to stick my foot in the door and ask question after question after question, even though I'm basically nosy. Mm. Um, it's a different kind of thing. There it goes again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to be so popular. It's, uh, I don't get that many calls in a day. So um, I enjoyed the writing, so I, I specialised in feature writing mm-hmm. rather than reporting, which meant I could still get to so that's get big to interviews, and, yeah, more and in depth, more in depth features, and uh, and then music writing. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that side of it much. So more. you know, the Midlands like the back of your hand, then really. I wouldn't say that. No, we're quite parochial. In fact, my my husband, my husband, who's from Cambridge, still claims now to know Dudley better than I do, <laughs> which is wrong, of course. He doesn't. In the studio, we've got Kim Fuller, uh, Community Arts Development Officer from Walsall Borough Council, who we've now discovered is a leading rock and roll singer across Europe. Uh, uh, so, uh, what... The band, why did you quit journalism to, to become a full-time singer? What was the inspiration there? It's what I'd always wanted to do. I, mm. always, I, I wanted to be a performer from, uh, from, a, a chi- from childhood. That's, uh, that, was, that was my, my dream. So I, um, I, I, enjoyed being, I enjoyed being a journalist. As I said, I enjoyed being a writer. But it must have been difficult moving from a kind of secure, employed pilot yeah. to potential... Yeah, it was. Yeah, and it was potential penniless, and it and it was pennilessness as well for quite a while. But you, you've got to go for it sometimes, haven't you? You've got to pursue your dreams. So, had you got married just before that, and you were going to live off your husband for a while? Uh, no, my husband was in the band with me. I, I was married. Yeah, I got married quite quite young to uh, to my first husband. <laughs> <laughs> You're a rock and roll woman. We took that for granted. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and Chris, my my husband, was in the band with me. So no, no, I, I've never, um, I, I've never been a dependent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd like to think of it as freedom to do whatever you want on someone else's yeah. money. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, how long were you then full time in the band? Uh, just for a couple of years. Um, we, I, I was, I was full time singing and um, and I was doing bits of freelance. You see, the the thing about being a journalist is you can. Mm. You, you can do a bit on the side, so to speak. You know, you, you you can always write a press release for someone, do a bit of PR marketing. So it's a good thing to have in the in the background mm. if you if you are working as a musician or actor or working in the arts because you you, you can you can usually earn a few shilling. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, uh, was it fun being in the band? Oh yeah, great mm. fun. And great do you miss fun. it? I'm, I, yeah, I, mean, I still do it now. I still still do a little bit, but it, it is more of a glorified hobby, I suppose now. Mm. But um, I do miss it. I, it's it's like having a family being in in a band. It's like having your family with you at work. Mm. 
but in the same way, you can get really fed up of each other the same as you can. It is, you know, when you go on those caravan holidays and you, your family and you're all you're all stuck in a caravan. It rains for seven days and seven nights, and at the end of it, you think, oh dear, I need to see someone else now. It can be a bit like that. So, where were band. you performing when you were in the band full time? What kind of venues? We did a we did a great tour of shopping centres. I remember <laughs> <laughs> before Tiffany. I don't know if you remember Tiffany. That was a young woman. Yeah, she uh, she seemed to invent the shopping centre tour, but what? we'd done it about two years previously. So, uh, well, we got paid off as well. <laughs> in one shop, we we'd been on the road for a week, and we were sleeping in a single decker bus. That was our home. And we, it was Christmas, and we'd all got flu, and it all got a bit grotty. And, we, and what drugs did you take? No, we didn't. No, no, no. We no were drugs. Very clean living. I'm very disappointed. Living. I would expect a little bit of a no, hard drug. Had a few, had a few drinks. Alcohol. Oh yeah. That few, was your only drug. Few drinks, yeah. But we had such a such a good time. But it got got to the end of the, towards the end of the tour. And I can't remember. It was an Arndale centre somewhere, and we we turned up looking a little bit the worse for wear. <laughs> And what do you tell you? How many children have you got? Three. Three. So when they now want to sort of give up everything and go on the road in a rock and roll band, you can't really say no, really, can no, you? No, I can't. And it's and it's happening. <laughs> 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 My son's a musician. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I, some days I say, yeah, shouldn't you be at uni today? <sighs> I say, well, you know, I've got a gig, Mum. Practising, practising. What can I say? Nothing is the answer. <laughs> I might be a lot of things, but I'm trying not to be hypocritical. <laughs> so after the two years full time in the band, then what happened? Um, uh, my son. I had my son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and my, became a full time mother. Uh, no, no. I, a little I, bit of freelance journalism. Unfortunately, on the side. I, I never was able to be a full time mom, and mm. something that I I don't regret because you know. You do what you got to do, but absolutely, it would have been nice to have a bit more time just with the with the kids. But um, but but now I, I I started my own company mm. with the, with the, with the band. Really, I started the company, um, but the company has moved on to become so many different things over the years. And, and what's the company called? I can't tell you that. that you can't would, tell me. No, that. that would be going one step too far. Would it? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Well, what does the company do? Well, it was it was it was music promotion and mm-hmm. uh, marketing and anything really that that I could turn my hand to. And does it still exist? Well, on in off. in on 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 the back burner. Technically, it it exists for the tax man. That's but, all that uh, counts is the it, tax man. It doesn't exist to promote. It doesn't really do anything much. Not not really. Not because I've I work for the man, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> work for the fan. Well, let me just play a trail and then we'll talk a bit more. So what would you like to be when you grow up? When I grow up, I want to be permanently broke, not be entitled to any financial support, be bored with my job, feel frustrated, um, and settle for leftover jobs rather than get a job I would really like. And what would you really like? Speak to someone who can help me make the right decisions about my future career and just to be given a chance. Here's your chance. Call Connections or drop into one of their centres in Wolverhampton. You can have a friendly chat, they'll find out what skills you have and want. They'll do all the running around to connect you to the best option for you. And Connections will help me find the right training course, work experience for full-time employment, eh? Yep, or just stick to plan A and I could put you in the not bothered form. What? And where's my potential? No, thanks. Call Connections, whose job it is to help young people make the right choices. 01902 3040. That's 01902 3040. 
Uh, we've got Kim Fuller of Walsall Borough Council. I keep wanting to call it Walsall City Council, but you're not a city yet. Uh, so your children have now started to grow up and, and you're getting back into what? Uh, watching watching them do things that I wanted to do. My littlest daughter's uh, she's she's on stage quite a lot. Is she? Yeah, she's she's really good. She was um, she was in a, a a high school, not her high school. She's still she's just about to leave junior school, but she was in a high school production of The Sound of Music just before Christmas, and it, she was she was really good. She did very well to get through the audition. So she's she's growing up nicely and she's got a lovely voice and and he's a great dancer. Which and yes, I am a bit jealous, you know, which mm. again you're not supposed to say. That's but, why you have children, someone but, you can be legitimately jealous of. Yeah, I am quite I am quite jealous because I couldn't be a dancer. My mum was a dancer, mm. which was uh, which was really interesting too. But of course, you know, I I, I couldn't dance. I, I I believe very much in that uh, that very old saying that you've you've got to have the courage to change the things that you can and uh, whatever it what is it the oh, the serenity that's right the serenity to accept the things that you can't change the courage to change what you can but most importantly of all the wisdom to know the difference and there was absolutely no reason at all why I couldn't be on stage mm. um, except for other people's uh, blindness to it but I can't dance. <laughs> that's the that's the difference. So, have you done any acting? Yes. And yeah, when, when and where was that? Um, Roughly. Uh, I did. Um, I've done. I've done some TV work mm-hmm. as an extra, which is great fun. I used to really enjoy that. Actually, I've been in. Uh, what was what I've been in? Boone. <laughs> Boom! As a flashback to the flashback, past, yeah. yeah, and uh, dear old Michael Elphick. Yeah, and uh, what else was I in? Oh, um, my son and I—we were a really good double act. But again, he was so much better than me in uh, peak practice when that was on. <laughs> <laughs> it was really good fun. He used to—he uh, used to get—he used to get the starring parts, and then I'd just have to carry him out and things. <laughs> He was, he, was, he, was, he was really good as a child because he'd do exactly as he was told. So if the director said to him, don't look at the camera, play with the toys, he'd, he'd play with the toys. So he was, a, he was a dream for them. And so are you still doing extra work? No. No, I don't have time to do that now. And so you work full-time for Walsall uh, Walsall Borough Council? Walsall Council, yeah. Yeah, I do. Full-time. And Full ha- time. how long have you been there? I've been there two years as an employee, mm-hmm. but um, I worked as a freelance mainly for them for... Well, I've worked there since my son was born, so for 18 years I've been working for the council as a freelance. But you live in Dudley? Yeah. Yeah, I live in Dudley. No jobs in Dudley? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say about your own doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> So, where are you performing in Austria? Um, I'm not sure. Just in case any of my listeners want to quickly I'm, I'm pop over I'm not sure. To... I know it's a big. I know it's a big gig. I think it's a civic do. Mm. So it will be at a at a town hall type place, I think, and it's something to do with a city. Oh, well, Vienna town hall is quite big. Yeah, I've played in Vienna. I've played in the Opera House in Vienna mm. um, as a stand-in. I, I was. It was supposed to be someone else, and she got snowed in, so they sent for me instead. <laughs> so it's in Austria. Someone got snowed in, and they sent for you. For you. <laughs> it was. A, it was a rock and roll singer from America. And so, who do you sing? What's your kind of style? Who do you sing like? 
me. If that's an expression, yeah. I sing like me. Well, I know you do. And I, I presume <laughs> everybody says they sing like themselves, and that's obviously true. But for someone who hasn't heard you, what would it be like? Um, there aren't that many people that you can compare, compare to today because the stuff that I do is nostalgic. I'm happy with a bit of a flashback to uh, older people. Brenda Lee. Brenda Lee means Brenda, nothing to me, Brenda, but I'm sure well, my listener... Well, see, there you go. Is that country? Isn't no, she a country singer? No, she's a rock and roll is singer. She? I don't know. Who um, else? Kind of... Uh, Elvis. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh-huh. no, You can't say you sing like Elvis when you're a woman, can you? You can. Um, no, I don't sing like Elvis. Oh, oh, I'm struggling. Lulu, but but not really. Early, early days. Really. Yeah, early days. Lulu, the 60s, 60s kind of... Lulu, a bit of shout, that kind of stuff. When she was Mrs. Gibb, kind of stuff. Probably before then. Before then. Yeah. And so, and do you like singers who are similar to you? So, like, do you like Brenda Lee? I do. You're yeah. a big admirer of hers and Lulu. Um, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of anyone mm. because I'm a fan of songs mm-hmm. rather than singers. And so, in 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 your band. Whose name escapes me already? It says yeah. The Nightcaps. The Nightcaps. Did you wrote your own material? Some of it, yeah. We it was a mixture of um, covers, covers and, and and our own stuff. And and the stuff you're doing at the weekend in Austria, I um, take it that'll all be in English. Yes, yes, I sing in English um, because it's rock and roll, and and people all across Europe they hmm. they want to hear rock and roll in, in English because that was the the language that it that it was in the fifties. Um, but it's not just—it's not just a nostalgia thing. There are lots of young people in in this country and in the rest of Europe. Lots of young people who really, really like music from the fifties and sixties. So it's not always um, a, a crowd that's our age or older. There are children and teenagers there as well who like it. Families, families um, as well. Because I know, like someone like Johnny Halliday. Who is oh, the French guy? You know, he's, yeah. he's massive. He appeals to kind of like ninety-year-old grannies to five-year-old little girls, and, and everything, and every sex, and everything in between. Yeah, there's a bit of that, though. Not a lot, I have to say. There are some festivals that I play in England that there are families there, three generations often, because mm. granddad was a teddy boy, so mom and dad grew up with that and then the kids get into it as well so yeah there are some places in England where you get families but not so much abroad they tend to be split some of the venues have got a young crowd who look like who look like teddy boys rockers greasers mods whatever from the 50s and 60s but they're only 17 to 25 I'm young what's a greaser a greaser um (laughs) a bit like a rocker bit like a rocker. Yeah. Only greasier. Only greasier, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It means different things in different countries. You have to be very careful with your terminology. It's a bit like calling someone a goth today, and they're not really a goth, they're an emo. Indeed, know? yes. So yes, got, I have that trouble with my son. You've got to get it right. The terminology, not that he's either of those, but I just... No, you've got to get it right. No. And uh, it's a bit like reading him when he's on MSN. It doesn't make any grammatical sense whatsoever. <laughs> so I just... He says, why are you watching me? I said, well, it doesn't make any difference. I'm sitting there watching you, Walker, because I've no idea what you're saying anyway. Uh, they don't like it if you correct their punctuation either, I've found. <laughs> <laughs> and so what, what's the kind of biggest gig you've done ever? Um, I think that probably was in Austria too. Uh, we played um, 
an open-air festival that they reckon there were 300,000 people. Excellent. Which I, I can't... I can't put in that Austria. In, in, Austria, in Austria, in Vienna, on the Danube, actually. Mm. It's, I think it's called Danube Fest. It's on the banks of the River Danube. But I can't, I can't see that there were that many people there. Mm. There were lots of people. <laughs> <laughs> but 300,000, that's a lot. So which festivals are you playing in England this year? Um, I'm playing two on the same weekend, which is a shame because I usually get and, to stay over. And when and where are they? Uh, in April. Mm. Um Oh, I can't remember the date. But what are the festivals? Uh, Great Yarmouth, the Shake, Rattle and Roll Festival. Mm. And the next day in Skegness. Uh, yeah, the I don't know what it's called, but it's a rock and roll festival in Skegness. And so do you, do you ever do disability-related songs? You know, like you've got the disability arts kind of uh, performers like Johnny Crescendo and Claire Lewis and all those mm. kind of people. Do you ever do anything like that? Not really. I don't. I don't. I've never. I've never classed myself as a as a disability arts performer. I'm an artist with a disability, which mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure everyone's well versed in the, the differences between. We try those. and tell them, but you tell us again, just in case the listener. Um, what, what's the kind of difference you? you... Well, the, the, well, an an artist with a disability is exactly that a perf- performer who who does what they do, but they happen to be disabled. Whereas a, a disability artist is someone who who refers to their disability as content for their performance. So if I if I wrote songs about being disabled, and it wasn't just to moan about it, mm-hmm. then then I would class myself as a disability artist. Having said that, I'd, I suppose it, there's, there are references to it. Um, I've written a couple of songs about Jean Vincent mm-hmm. uh, because that's that's who I'm likened to as a as a stage name or whatever. Um, so I, I've written a couple of songs about about Gene. Um, and was he disabled in some way? Gene Vincent, yeah, yeah. yeah Tell yeah. us. Yeah, Gene Vincent had a... Um, well, he, he almost lost his leg as a teenager through a motorbike accident. Mm-hmm. and uh, But he, he wouldn't let them amputate his leg. So he lived, he lived the rest of his life... Uh, dragging his leg around literally um and he was a rock and roll singer mm-hmm. and when he came to england so the story goes i don't know how much truth there is in this but he did his best to disguise it and not uh, not highlight it at all when he came to england he got taken on by oh i'm useless with names i have to tell you that but he got taken on by mr rock and roll at the time i think it might have been larry parnes or some mm-hmm. someone like that who said, "Look, Jean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, let's do it," and made him wear a caliper, mm. and highlighted the fact that he had a that he had a disability, and that became his trademark. So this English guy who who was a rock and roll promoter turned it round completely, mm. and sold records on the strength of that rather than Gene trying to keep it a secret. And what happened to Gene Vincent? Uh, he he died um, quite... He, he, wasn't, he wasn't very old when he died. I think he was in his 50s, perhaps early 60s. Um, and, and again, as the story has it, he, he died uh, from taking so many painkillers mm-hmm. and prescription drugs because of the pain he'd got in his, in his leg. Mm-hmm. But he was in the car with uh, Eddie Cochran. 
Uh, again, uh, Eddie Cochran, he died in a car crash, I presume. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know much about rock and roll. All oh, right, well, Eddie Cochran died. The station in... manager is the big rock and roll fan, but I'm afraid it's not me particularly. So, Eddie Cochran died in England uh, in a car crash, and Gene Vincent was in the car with him when he died. And you said that as if Eddie Cochran wasn't English. No, no, Eddie Cochran was American. Was American. And Gene, uh, Gene, Gene Vincent and Eddie Cochran were American and, uh, and were in a car... Which, which crashed in Chippenham, I think it was, in Wiltshire. Mm-hmm. Killed Eddie Cochran um, and didn't, didn't kill Gene Vincent. So I, I, you're talking a lot about rock and roll. Is that really how you see yourself as a rock and roller? Yeah. Well, yeah you know, so. less so than pop or soul. Oh, definitely, yeah, definitely. It's more rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and, and do you see it as being nostalgic rock and roll or is it kind of contemporary rock and roll that you do? Nostalgic, nostalgic rock and roll. It's all about guitars and pianos and <laughs> and drums <laughs> and drums. Yeah, <laughs> less so actually. Less so about that. See, that's modern rock and roll is more about drums, but the the drums are there, but they know their place. <laughs> Drummers know their place. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what they say about Ringo Starr? Or he should have known his place. That's what they say about drummers and girl singers, isn't it? We hang around with musicians. <laughs> <laughs> but you consider yourself a musician with your voice. Yes. I take it. That's, that's your instrument. Yes. And are you a raucous singer? You yes. didn't expect to talk about this, no, did I you? Didn't, no, no, I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about the other stuff a bit later. <laughs> and so where else will you be playing this year? Or are there the only two confirmed places, Skegness and Great Yarmouth? No, I've got a few other places scattered around the country. Any in the Midlands that my listeners might be able to see you at? Uh, the Greater think, Midlands? I don't think so, no. no. I, might get, I might get up and have a little bit of a sing with my buddy, uh, Big Man Clayton. Big Man Clayton. Uh, in, uh, in a little pub in Starbridge on February the 21st. And who's Big Man Clayton? He's a, he's an English guy who now lives in Germany, and he was he was in he wasn't in the Nightcaps with me, but he was we, we moved on a little bit from the Nightcaps, and had another band, um, that was just called the Gene Vincent Band, and he was a piano player in there. But he's a fantastic boogie woogie piano player. And uh, the the Gene Vincent Band that you had, did you sing Gene Vincent songs by any chance? Um, some. Some. <laughs> 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 So do you play a lot of pubs? No, not really. I, I do. I do. Weddings and bar mitzvahs. Bar mitzvahs. No, 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 because I'm limited in time uh, to mm. how much time I can commit to singing now. Mm. I, I just do selected festivals. I, I, I'm, I'm often singing in a pub, but that is purely for fun. That's just drunk. <laughs> You're making a lot of accusations, aren't you? Asking me about the drugs and the drink. <laughs> I'm a good, clean living girl. <laughs> yeah, but you're a rock and roller. So I that was, isn't that a contradiction in terms? Well. So, have you got a stage name? <laughs> yeah, it's Gene Vincent. <laughs> that's your stage name? I knew you were going to ask that now. I thought I've confused him enough, yes. So, you're known as Gene Vincent on the circuit? I am. Is yeah. that spelled with a J-E-A-N? It is, yes. So you're obviously a big Gene Vincent fan. Yeah, yeah, well, I've got a lot to thank him for, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> what? The name. The name? Well, you could have called yourself 
Billy Fury. Oh, Edie Cochran. Exactly. Yeah. Edie Cochran. That's <laughs> not that bad, is it? <laughs> Marty Wilde with an I instead of a Y. Actually, that's that's a bit of an in joke because um, I've I'm not going to get all medical on you, but I've had a I've had a couple of really big operations in the last couple of years, mm. and a friend of mine did remark that if it stopped me from limping, I would have to change my name, and I'd have to stop being Jean Vincent and become Edie Cochran. <laughs> <laughs> so is he is he a, is he an inspiration to you then, Jean Vincent? Yeah, he with is. his limp and in your impairment. Uh, yeah, yeah, he is, and. Um, and, and there were times in his life when he was quite a tragic character as well. I've, I've worked with a lot of people over the years who knew Gene Vincent when he toured in England and worked with him, actually. What kind of years are we talking about when um, Gene Vincent toured Britain? In the 60s, probably the late 60s. When the it late was, 60s. It was getting a bit more... I, th- I think he was touring England from the late 50s until the early 70s. Mm. And I've worked with some people now who... who worked with him in that the later times and they said what a what a sad man he was um and he was relying a lot on uh, on painkillers and alcohol because uh, he really was in so much pain and what that what that was doing was was ruining his inside. Was he married you know? and have kids and all I that kind of so, stuff? Yeah, yeah, he did he did have a daughter who I think his name Jean Vincent. I think uh, I I think she still lives in the states. I don't know too much about his personal life. And is there a movie about him? There's got to be a movie about him, isn't there? I know there's a book, The Day the World Turned Blue, mm. which is a, which is quite an interesting book. There are there are movies certainly that that have reference to him. I don't know if there. I've I've and I've I've been in a documentary which is due to be uh, shown later this year. Um, on. On G- about Jean Vincent. On which channel? Uh, I don't know actually, because it was an independent film company. So yeah. I, I, I suppose. Whoever, yeah. whoever gives you them the know. most money, yeah. but yeah, he, um, and, and he, he had a lot of times when he, during the later years in England when people didn't want to pay him and you know dodgy promoters and whatever. And, and again, showing my complete ignorance, what was one of his biggest hits? Uh, Bebopalula. Mm. Can you give us a burst of that? No. Oh God! <laughs> I don't know. I don't, what is Bebopalula? I don't know what that song is. I can't do. God, just a little bit quietly. Good. Bebopalula, he's my baby. I've heard of that one. Of course you have. <laughs> I wouldn't say of course you have, but uh, I have heard that one. So, uh, <laughs> well, I think that's a whole new insight into you that all my listeners, because I know a few of my listeners know you personally and they probably didn't know a lot of this about you and it'll be a whole new insight for them. Is this the same person who's told you I've got a jukebox? <laughs> that you won't tell me. Oh, I can't tell you because I can't give away my, my secrets yeah, of who's right. been giving me this information. You might not invite him back to your house. Perhaps you can see it on Google Earth or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know what to ask you now. because We'll keep the disability stuff, I think, for the next hour. So where, 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 where do you... Did you grow up listening to rock and roll through your parents? Because uh, we're similar ages, I grew yeah. up listening to fairly contemporary stuff, even if it was soul. I didn't, there wasn't that much of a look back. I think my elder brother, who is like 16 years older than me, he was a bit of an Elvis fan, but that made it a bit embarrassing to like Elvis because <laughs> he was so much older you didn't listen to Elvis. Yeah. So were, were your parents heavily into rock and roll? No, not, not really, no. Um, my mum and dad are a little bit older still. They're, they're, um, they were quite an old mum and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and so they their influence was more from much earlier stuff you know um from the big band era probably which i and i I like that too my dad's a second world war veteran so i I, I even dabbled in um, music hall you know and i like a lot of the stuff from that era i'd got um an uncle who was just 10 years older than me so i suppose some of my musical influence came from him but uh it's 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 quite corny how I got into rock and roll. Tell us the corny it's, story. But it's it's very true. Um, I grew up in hospital. Mm-hmm. I was a I was resident in hospital as a, a very young child, and um, I was I was on, on in a ward on my own. I wasn't I wasn't on a children's ward. I was in a, a single person room, and uh, it was as you can imagine, it was quite quite lonely and this was in the early 60s so we didn't have tellies or anything like that in our rooms mm-hmm. and my my grandma bought me a radio so i'd lie as a very very young child listening to the radio and all i remember is hearing elvis and bill haley and and that that kind of music mm. and i'd never but i'd never seen elvis and i i must have been i came out of hospital when i was about 7 um, and I remember vividly being... I, I remember a crowd gathering around me at my granddad's house because I was watching the telly and the person on the telly was singing a song that I knew and I didn't know who it was, but I knew the song and I was transfixed by this person on the TV and it was Elvis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, must have been a, it must have been an Elvis film which was probably a very poor one, but I didn't care because I, I was totally mesmerised by this person. Mm. And the crowd gathered round me, parents and grandparents, they're going, what's the matter with her? <laughs> and I couldn't move. I just couldn't move from watching Elvis Presley. And he still has that effect on me now. And it's not, um, it's not a girl-boy thing. There's nothing, nothing like that. He has a completely mesmerising effect on me. Interesting. Very interesting. Interesting. I told you it's corny, but it's, well, it's got, true. <laughs> I've got nothing against corn. I like a bit of corniness. <laughs> We're going to talk about your work at Walsall particularly now, but I'll ask you another general question about Walsall. Uh, what do you think are the differences between the black country towns of Walsall, Dudley and Wolverhampton? Well, they've all got their distinct characteristics, haven't they? Um, How would you describe them, though? I, I, I don't know anymore because they're they're changing quite a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I would, I, I am a Dudley girl, so Dudley will always be my um, in my heart. But there are a lot of changes. And there, has Dudley I, changed oh, radically? Dramatically, it's dramatically changed. Yes. And how has that affected the people? I think it's oh, it's it's hard, isn't it, to uh, not to get political about things? But there, there's there's been a huge shift because of the transfer of all the um all the shops to Merry Hill you know Mer- Merry Hill is my when, when I was a little girl and well actually when I first started to work as a reporter mm. uh, Merry Hill was a foundry that was the Round Oak Steelworks and I remember walking into there to to write a feature about it and it was like walking walking into the mouth mouth of hell you know it was mm. it was just this big open fire as it seemed like in the middle of the middle of the factory and the men sweat, and it was men as well. I'm not being sexist. It was a very male-dominated place. Mm-hmm. The men sweat there for hours and hours on end, and then, of course, it seemingly overnight that disappeared. Up sprang Merry Hill, and then all the women had got jobs. <laughs> so the men didn't have any work, and the women did. And 
you, you don't have to be a you don't have to be a scholar to see that that's going to have an impact on the community. And did it kill the town? Yeah. And has it recovered? No, <laughs> I don't think so. But that that's just me speaking as a well, no, person I went who to, lives in Dudley. <laughs> I went to Dudley about well, I must be. I went to Dudley about ten years ago, and it was a ghost town. Mm. And is it still pretty much like that? Yeah, it is really. And are the council trying to rectify that in any way? One would hope so. Because Beatty's shut down, didn't it? No, Beatty's is still there. Beatty's is still well, yeah. House of Fraser, as it must yeah, probably Beatty's, now be called. So. Beatty's is still there, but you know, as as a child, and, and I know it's easy to be nostalgic, and it's not always the right way to be. But as a child, there there was such a pride in living in Dudley because people would travel from miles around to shop in Dudley. It got Marks and uh, Beatties and British Home Stores. All the big high street stores were in the high street Mm. and that was the beauty of it. It was so contained. Mm. You You could... Even I could walk at... Well, at certain points in my life, I could walk from one end to the other. It was it was a very small, compact area, but with an excellent range of shops, um, and you know there are, there there still are some good shops there, but people. If, so it's if, been affected more than say Walsall or Wolverhampton. I think because so, of yeah. the nature of Merry Hill. I think so. I think it needs a radical overhaul, and it's a shame as well that some of the bigger names, some of the bigger shops, won't stick their neck out and say, "No, we're gonna we're gonna be in Dudley." Because I think it would only take a couple mm. to keep people in town, but at the moment, if you can, and, and we've, we, you know, it's the driving thing, isn't it? The parking. If you can park more or less outside a hundred shops and have a look round, that's what people are going to do, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's interesting. Uh, so we're going to focus now more on the on the the kind of disability and community arts work that you do. So. Are you part of a creative development team? Yeah, that's uh, our, that's the name of our department. We're, um, we're we're fairly unusual for a local council. We came out of community arts, which a, a lot of local councils do dabble in community arts. But Warsaw Council uh, has seen a, a great development of community arts as a as a process um, in the borough, and we've we've developed from being the community arts team to being the creative development team. And we we use the arts, we employ the arts, if you like, to tackle local issues and to work with local people. So what is community arts? It's... Um, oh, defi- defining that. If, if, you've got a, if you've got a beautiful picture in an art gallery, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's been made, painted, created, whatever, by an artist who, who may well have worked entirely in isolation to produce that beautiful piece of work. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's more art that's in the public domain. Uh, a, a community artist is just as, just as skilled and just as talented, but they would work with people to create a piece of art so that it's not just a single ownership. Um, a, a, lot of, a, a lot of our work... Is, is involved with public art as well. As an example, um, if, a, if a new sculpture piece of public art goes up in Warsaw, the process that's arrived at that piece of work will have been a community process. So the community will have been consulted, may even have designed that piece of work. Mm-hmm. So even though it, it would be easy to say that it was public art and just done by one 
one bloke in a garret, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's more owned by the people, and that's what we do. We we use the arts to work with people and for people. And so, what what do the creative development teams do generally? Uh, we we've got a range of uh, areas that we work in. We do a lot of work with young people. Mm-hmm. We're involved in a black country wide project at the moment called Leaps and Bounds, which is working with uh, around about 150 local teenagers who are all going to, well, most of whom are going to perform at the Hippodrome Theatre next October. The Hippodrome in... In Birmingham. In Birmingham. And they will have been working for 18 months by next October on this piece of work. But alongside, uh, alongside the performance process, they've been undergoing personal development as well. Some of them may have needed a bit of a, a, bit of a kick-start regeneration you know rethink their lives and get back on the right track and they're doing that as a parallel process to being involved in the musical and who funds this um do you know i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure who's funded leaps and bounds our, our, our work in general is funded from loads of different places um and, and it's not council money in general we, we get a lot of funding from the health authority mm-hmm. uh if there are specific health issues that need to be tackled then they may ask they may give us a, a fee and ask us to work with people to look at that so we've um, we've worked on projects around diabetes around uh, smoking cessation uh, healthy eating teenage pregnancy and again all of those using the arts to really get to the crux of the matter and so what disability work that specific do you do in the creative development team we've again we've got quite a unique situation in warsaw uh we've got um, one of my colleagues her her job is part funded by what was social services mm-hmm. we've got all kinds of fancy titles now and they part fund her work to work specifically with people with learning difficulties. So what are social services called now? I think it's called social inclusion, Is social care and no, social care, social care and supported housing. That's right. And and what are they what kind of work are they doing with people with learning difficulties? We've got a great project that's uh, that's up and running at the moment. It's looking at access to health and leisure services. Mm-hmm. So we're working on a with five groups of people who are each researching a different area of health and leisure. So, for example, one group are looking at sports development and another group are looking at um, fitness balance and independence. And they'll each use a different, a, a different art form. So the fitness balance, and health, uh, fit, fitness balance and independence group are using dance. And through dance, they're going to research uh, that, that subject and then they're going to feed back to their peers at an event, and then they're going to feed back to service providers. And uh, we think that it, what, what it's going to be, and we can't preempt it because they're still in the process of doing it, but we think it's going to be a case of, look, we would access your service more if you did this, and this is why we don't access your service at the moment. Um, and then the, the service providers will have their opportunity to feed back as well, and hopefully there'll be some common ground in the middle where the service can change to include more people with learning difficulties. And what other disability-specific work are they doing, or is that the primary? Uh, no, that's just one of them. Our, our other um, our other umbrella series of work is called uh, Working Parts, which I do believe Dr Dark is involved with. <laughs> Am I? Yeah, you're involved with this as well. I'm sure I am. 
uh, we've got uh, we've we've got four projects that come under the umbrella of working parts, and that's funded by the European Social Fund through mm-hmm. the Equal Program. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't seem to match up with the arts at all, but the the funding came from um, money for social enterprise, mm-hmm. which is to encourage people to set up in business as a business that benefits the community. A social enterprise is a, is, is a business like any other, but um, there's usually a community benefit, and more to the point, the profit that's made in a social enterprise is ploughed back into the company. Mm-hmm. You can make as much as you like. It's not about not making a profit, but it's about using that that profit to um, to grow the business. And the projects under that umbrella... Um, I think that Dr. Dark is involved in the artist development program that we have. I think so. Uh, which is with uh, Multistory mm-hmm. in West Bromwich. Mm-hmm. We've got um, a writing project which is around access to enterprise, mm-hmm. and that's going to have um, around about around a hundred people with disabilities across the region taking part in a writing workshop to look at what stops them from setting up a business. And when is there? When and where is that kind of might they're, that happen? They're happening now, but they're not, they're not open to the public. They're not open to the public. Are, are they full? I'm so, not sure. So if there are, like a disabled writer listening, you might want to participate, how would they do that? They can email me directly. Shall mm-hmm. I give you my email? That would be good. It's Fuller K, that's F-U-L-L-E-R-K, at warsaw.gov. UK. And what will you be doing with those people on, say, the writing course, the writing project? They'll be working with a professional writer named Dave Reeves, mm-hmm. who was uh, formerly the editor of Raw Edge, the readers and writers magazine, which sadly is, is no longer with us after, after the last couple of weeks. Um, and Dave's a, a very experienced writer and he really specialises in encouraging other people to pursue their their writing ability he'll be working he'll be in a workshop situation looking at access to enterprise talking about people's dreams and ambitions around work particularly about setting up their own business and some of the best writing will go on to the working parts website which i can't give you the address for that because it's still being built Mm -hmm. but again if anyone would like to email me or get in touch with me via you i can uh, in in due course i'll be able to give you the the address for that website mm-hmm. and that website will will explain and showcase all of the projects and so we've done the writing project the artistic development yeah we've got um the promoter scheme which goes through black country touring and that program at the black, black black country touring is a fantastic organization that uh, that promotes theater pro- professional theater uh, but in un- perhaps unusual places and the idea of the promoter scheme is that local people who are connected to various venues um, can set up a can can well, can become promoters can set up a small business of their own, and they can choose and book and look after and sell tickets for a performance in their venue. And and they get a kind of subsidised performance from DCT. Yes. Black Country Touring to enable them to do that. Yes, yeah. And and in this particular programme of work, uh, uh, Black Country Touring are working with promoters with disabilities. 
And which ones? And well, in particular, I've got to give a bit of a plug here. Um, the 26th of February, there's a storyteller named Peter Chand who's performing in Dudley. Um, and he's been promoted by the APNA group. They're a, a group of people with learning difficulties and they've chosen Peter Chand because they think that it would be a really good night to... He, he tells stories from the... He relates stories from the Punjab and England because of his, uh, his mixed background mm-hmm. and it sounds like a very rich evening. And it's the venue is opposite Netto in High Street, Dudley, and it's called Dudley Muslim Association. But if you look for the netto, then if the promoters have done their job, which I know they will have when they work with Black Country Touring, then there'll be signposts. And, uh, and who are the group APNA? APNA. A-P-N-A. And they're, they're a group of people with learning difficulties? Yes. And yeah. are, are they a bit like Empower? Um, group in yeah, I think, so, I think so, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a Black Country Touring... Black Country Touring, uh, well, it's Black Country Touring Supported Night, yeah. Supported Night, excellent. Well, we've had a few of them at the arena that Outside Centre have put on, so they're they're very good, and I think uh, Black Country Touring should be supported, as should APNA, much more fully and wildly. So any any other kind of... So you've got the BCT side, the working parts, and the writing group, have you got? Yeah, we've got got one more, which is in association with the Arena Theatre. Mm-hmm. And it is very much a pilot. We're, I don't know if, you've, if you're familiar with um, Shape tickets in London. Mm-hmm. And I, I popped down to Shape and had a, had a chat with them about their, their scheme. And they've got what they call a buddying scheme, where people can, uh, can go on their... Two, two lists of people, if you will, two lists of people um, who, who have an interest in going to the theatre. Um, one group of people also have um, a need which is stopping them from going to the theatre. So they get paired up, the people from these two lists, and they can accompany each other, if you like, to go to the theatre for the evening. Now, in London, at Shape Tickets, this is developed, and I think there are some 600 people with disabilities who are on the on the list there. But, of course, they've got the whole of the West End <laughs> that they're looking to go to. Mm-hmm. So we thought that we'd pilot this idea just initially at the Arena Theatre. And what are you calling it? it? Well, we're looking for a name. If anyone would like... we, I'm calling it the Buddying Scheme, but I don't particularly like that name. Mm-hmm. Neither does... Uh, Neither does our Andrew at the arena. <laughs> our Andrew, I shall have to call him our Andrew from now on. So uh, we're I looking like for that. another name. If anyone else, if anyone would like to come up with a name for us, and the idea is that it would, it, it's not just a patronising, giving somebody a lift to the theatre. Mm. The idea for me about all of this is that you have a mutual cultural interest. So you really have a good night out, and you go to see something at the theatre. Yeah, sure. Someone has given someone a lift. Someone is helping someone with a with a problem or an impairment that they have. But the pair of them are having a good night out and they're sharing the cultural experience. And so, does it subsidise tickets as well? Yes. In what way? Um, as it's set up at the moment, and as I, as I stress, it is a pilot, so it's open to negotiation. Uh, but as it's set up at the moment, the person who is giving the lift mm-hmm. gets the gets a free ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the tickets are already subsidised anyway. In quite a few of the uh, events. In quite a few of the events, yeah. yeah. I'm not, not sure. You have to... Well, I think Trace, their tickets are only about... They're subsidised to about four quid yeah. each, I think. Yeah, so it's that. 
relatively cheap night out. Because I know the Lighthouse also have a budding scheme. They do, yes. Um, but I think you both have to buy a ticket for that one. I there, there is a, it's, it's a slightly different scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, the budding scheme, as I understand it at the Lighthouse, is with the staff. Uh, and it's an excellent scheme that mm. the staff meet people when they arrive at the Lighthouse and accompany them through their... So explain to me, uh, you work for Walsall, so why are you doing things in Dudley and Wolverhampton? Uh (laughs) Aha! Part of my remit is to work across the black country and we were able to do that with the funding from Equal, from the European Social Fund. And how long does that exist? It's come to an end now, sadly, but the work that we began has been so successful that it's gathered its own momentum Mm -hmm. and we certainly don't intend to turn our backs on it all now. So will you be getting more European money? We hope so, yes. When we're, What's we are, the new scheme called? It hasn't got one yet. It's, well, it's still carrying on the old one. Is it? It's still going to be working parts um, and we are currently applying to other places for funding, which I'm not going to tell you about because it might jeopardise the applications that we're putting in. Uh, and equally, you'll get lots of people applying them for funding for themselves. <laughs> Keep it to yourself, that's all I say. Keep it to yourself. And so uh, uh, you, you're, you're very... It, Disability, uh, arts and disability participation is very important to you because of your own disability or what? I suppose so. I don't analyse it too much. Who knows? It might have been something I'd I'd have been interested in anyway. Um, My colleagues at at work, uh, the the two colleagues in particular who work with me on the arts and disability work, they, they don't have a disability and they are equally... Do you want to give them a name check? Yeah, Donna... Our Donna, lovely, the lovely Donna, as we call her. The lovely Donna. The lovely Donna. And uh, the not-so-lovely Max. <laughs> he's lovely, really. <laughs> but we're punishing him because he's just been on holiday and had a very exotic time. You're going to Austria for the weekend. No-one can beat a trip to Austria for the weekend. Yeah, oh, probably could. He's been to Thailand for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got Kim Fuller of Walsall Community Arts Development Officer. Uh, so, are, are the what are the kind of venues in Walsall? Uh, Let me turn on your microphone. I thought I thought I'd gone deaf then. <laughs> I couldn't hear myself <laughs> speaking. Um, uh, oh, venues in Walsall. We've got an excellent art centre, Forest Art Centre. Forest Art Centre. Where's that? Uh, Horbush Road in Leemore. What? I've never heard of it. No, it's a it's a very good venue. And is it a kind of is it council owned and run yeah, or, or what? Yeah, it's, it is. It's um, it's home to the music support services as well. Is it an old church? No, it's an. I think it's a school. It's a school. It, I think it was a school, but it's had a big refurb. Mm. Um, excellent uh, auditorium. Two auditoriums, I think now. Dance studios, um, music studios. And do you link in with them much? Yeah, yeah. We we well, we try to. We try to. We we try to work. With everyone across the across the council, and that is one of the that we're, we're very proactive in that way. We do try to uh, link people up together as well because there there there's so many departments, so many people working for the council. It's so mm. easy to work in isolation. So we, we it is our aim to. Um, and, and what about link. Uh, the Warsaw Art Gallery? Yeah, that's where my office is. <laughs> is it? That's where you're based? Yeah, I'm based there. And are they very uh, positive towards kind of community arts activity? Very. Yeah, they are. And and they work in partnership with you again? Yeah, quite, yeah, they do. Quite. Yeah, they've got... Um, in fact, in, in fact, there is there's news there because I, I think that there's a, a big um, disability arts 
project coming out of the gallery this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, more than that, I don't really know. But and, and who who really... who would we need to talk to to get them to come and talk about it? Um, probably Yanis. Yanis. Yeah, I'll drop him in that it. Begins with a, <laughs> that begins with an I. It does. It? Yeah. Oh, that's very clever of you. Yeah. No, it's because someone told me about him. <laughs> it's not clever. It's just for for oh. for knowledge. Uh, uh, right, I shall have to email him and then get him to uh, come and talk about it. Because outside centre are thinking about trying to get a, a, a black countrywide disability arts festival going in mm. in kind of spring two thousand and nine. Because we've had the one in Wolverhampton, yeah, that culminates in the disability film festival. And I think it, it needs to be uh, that whole kind of culture needs to be much more black countrywide. I, I think so because rather than town specific. Yeah, I, I, there are differences between the towns, but I think the black country has its own identity. As with the four boroughs coming together, I I, I believe that. Yeah, you know, each each borough has got its own special thing. And who are the four boroughs? You've said four boroughs: Wolverhampton, Warsaw, Sandwell, and Dudley. Sandwell and Dudley is two boroughs. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they're called Sandwell and Dudley, isn't that one borough? No, they're not called Sandwell and Dudley. Aren't they? No, no, that's only the train station. That's only the train station. Yeah. Well, us people from the south who come to Wolverhampton, that's all we see. And is then the you train. see you've got Sandwell, which is made up of, of lots of different old towns as well. Which is West Brom. West Brom, Smethwick, uh, Old Hill. Ooh, what else well, is And I was speaking there? to someone this morning and they... Oldbury. They, uh, you know, are traditional kind of Wolverhamptonians and, and they have a very strong view of what the black country is. Yeah. And it tends not to coincide with the notion of Wolverhampton, Walsall. Yeah. And that's that. Is that a bit of a problem? Well, not to me. No, it's it. You know, rolls off the tongue for me <laughs> that that's the black country. <laughs> and, and so, is it is it important to you to create an identity for the black country because it does suffer terribly from being in the shadow of Birmingham, uh, in in many ways that like the funders prefer to give money to Birmingham. And Birmingham tends to suck the life out of the West Midlands quite significantly, mm. uh, rather to the detriment uh, both of Birmingham and the West Midlands, I'd argue, because I think Birmingham has a problem on how it sees itself. It, for example, it calls itself the second city. Well, as soon as you're calling yourself the second city, you're on a loser because yeah. you're losing your own identity as a city, unique and first in its own way. Mm. Uh, and then do you see problems there? I don't see problems, but uh, I think you're right that there's there's a significant difference between the black country and Birmingham, and there always has been, mm. and probably there always will be. And, and that that's not a, a detrimental thing. There should be different, you know, vive la difference. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> the, the black country has always been a a, a community, mm. in my experience anyway. The, there is community in the black country, and there is community in parts of Birmingham. Yeah. But Birmingham is a huge place, mm. a huge place, and well, it's a bit like London, Birmingham, in that it's subsumed all of these different places that have their own identity, and it's not quite sure how to integrate or include them all in its own kind of like city-wide identity, isn't it? Exactly, and and Birmingham has changed so dramatically over the last few years as well. It's um, it's a very modern place, isn't it now, mm. Birmingham? So it's mm. it's shaken off a lot of its past, but. But, but still hangs on to it in some other way. So, um, yeah, Bir- Birmingham's fantastic. You know, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't knock Birmingham at all. But it's distinctly different from the black country. And I do, yes, I do think it's about time that the black country stood up for itself and 
had its independence and attracted the funding and had its own identity rather than merging with Birmingham all the time. And what did you think of the recent campaign to get the £50 million lottery uh, for the black country? I don't mean the campaign because... I do mean the bit of the campaign, I don't mean the idea of going for it. I mean, because I've, I've heard some people who work in, in the black country say that it did, it did portray the black country in a, a pretty stereotypical way and it, it should have progressed past that. Mm, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, w- I was quite upset that we didn't get it. I, I, it no, well, I, I understand that about the money and the, the, the idea, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I, I've heard some people say that they thought it portrayed the black country in quite a stereotypical view to outsiders. I wouldn't know because I don't have a television, so I never saw any of it. Right, right. But uh, and I was because I was interested to hear that because I, I, that surprised me that some people. Well, it, 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 I don't know. Perhaps we. You can. It's easy to to be delusional, isn't it? it? It is quite a stereotypical place, and there are areas of the black country that are very, very deprived. Mm. Um, in the same way that there are areas of the black country that are very, very beautiful, and have an awful lot to offer. Mm. But you know, if you go out into any any one of the four boroughs, into into the middle of some of the the, the estates, then it's not a pretty sight. Mm. And we we do need we do need some funding, but we don't just need those quick fix funds. We need some kind of sustainable growth. Um, yeah. So what's, <laughs> it's what's me off my soapbox? <laughs> what's unique about the black country to you? As well, someone who's from the black country, I was going to say it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's where it's it's where I grew up, and the part of the black country that I grew up in uh, is very, very dear to me. Growing up around Dudley Town Centre in the sixties was fantastic for me. Mm. My my junior school, even in the late sixties, early seventies, was was at least fifty percent immigrant, and that was that was wonderful. I, I had a lovely childhood you know not perhaps not the early part of it that's uh, that's the, I like to sweep that under the carpet just a little bit but but after that you know I, I had friends from all over the world mm. and and we we all we all got on that, and it and it sounds like a cliche now but it's true we didn't know racism we didn't know what it meant until we all got to about 15 or 16 in fact there's some quite funny stories about us as growing up as a as a mixed group because um, we decided that we'd be skinheads at one time because we liked the clothes and it, uh, we were skinheads for about six months before we realised that we were supposed to be fighting each other because that was part of what it was about you know so it, it's quite comical when you look at it in that in that way so I, I, I can't fault it you know I grew up with I grew up with Len Lenny Henry's from uh, from the streets where I where I lived you grew up with Lenny Henry well not not we, I, I'm I used to play on the buffery with him occasionally you know mm, mm. but that's the kind of, when 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 Lenny Henry's on TV talking about his childhood that's my childhood mm. that's exactly right mm, mm. so uh, tell me then when you're away from the black country what do you miss about it uh, I miss the I miss the the down-to-earth stuff. I think the black country's a very down-to-earth place. What do you mean by that? I think we say it like it is. You say it like it is. Mm, I think so. We've not got, not got that much time for pretension, have we? <laughs> <laughs> 
But then again, I've... I've that must make it quite uh, hard working with in the arts sector then. Because I know there's a lot of people in the arts sector, because I work in it as well, that aren't particularly from this region. Oh, there seems to be an awful lot of people who aren't from this region and who don't say it like it is. Mm. And that make, can make it quite difficult to... Uh, I think we educate each other. <laughs> <laughs> because I, even though I've worked in the arts... Uh, most of my adult life and I really enjoy it there are areas of the arts that that are alien to me mm. and likewise some of the people that you're talking about now <laughs> and we could name them all but we won't my, um, <laughs> my my matter of fact nature is a little bit alien to them and there's but there's a common ground mm. and I do learn from them because there are there are things that I need to I need to mellow on and not be quite so uh, bullish about. In the studio with us, we have Kim Fuller, a.k.a. Jean no, Vincent. <laughs> uh, tell us about Extant. I'll tell you about that in a minute, but uh, I'm going to tell you something else first. Go on then. Because, you know, I said I wouldn't... You, you asked my, me my age, and I said you shouldn't ask a lady her age. Yeah. It's just become very relevant now, because your brother was born the day after me. Was he? <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. If you can uh, remember how old his brother's going to be on the 29th of February, that's how old I am on the 28th of February. And, so, you, and you've there, had a birthday every I, year. I've had a birthday every year, but I just missed the leap year one by a few hours. Lucky you. Extant. Well, it sounds absolutely amazing, this extant thing. Um, I've, uh, I've, I've got a bit of blurb written down in front of me, but rather than reading that, I'm just going to talk about it it's um it's a show in the dark <laughs> complete blackout and uh, as i understand it, it it's uh, it's it's by visually impaired people but it's for a mixed audience and you you sit down well I, i'm hoping that you sit down <laughs> before it starts and then there's a blackout but um it, it's totally interactive and the audience can dictate at certain points what happens next so I'm assuming that it's going to be a, a, a multi-sensory thing, but without any vision. So it sounds exciting, doesn't it? And when and where is that? And I know that it's on at the arena as well, but there's a, there is a performance in April, um, on April Saturday, April the 19th at 2 o'clock at Wolverhampton Art Gallery. So that is something not to, uh, not to miss. Any. Oh, and it's a free event. I, I, that, she's, she's quite important. It's a free it? event. That is, that is quite yeah. important. Yeah, it is. Um, I can read you just a little bit. I do so. I think that, I? that would yeah. probably help people get a full grasp of what... So I'm reading I'm reading from the paper now. It says, uh, both sighted and visually impaired people are invited to the performance and will be encouraged and facilitated to stop the action in the performances, make suggestions for changes and even come up and take part in the drama. There will be a lively and challenging experience for the audience and actors based on forum theatre, which is about giving a voice to those not usually given a voice. It also aims to allow open and objective debates between audience and actors about issues relevant to the audience. So uh, I think, to say it again, it, the performance is completely in the black. Completely. And yeah. so it will be quite unique, and, I, and it is at the arena. I'll be promoting it a bit nearer the date that it's on at the arena, but I think it, 
it, I, I would recommend people go to both actually to see it in those kind of two different kind of environments as well, the theatre and mm. and the gallery. Do you know where it'll be happening in the art gallery? I don't know, but it does sound like the kind of show that you could certainly see more than once because there's got to be an element of improvisation. If the feedback's coming from the audience, mm -hmm. then I guess every show is going to be different. An extent are visually impaired themselves. I think so. I'm, I think I'm, indeed I they, think are. they are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Visually impaired actors. Well, tell us about that other show that we mentioned earlier by Apna being promoted by Apna, uh, and then we'll probably wrap it up. All right, the Apna group are a, a group of people with learning difficulties from Dudley, and they're promoting Peter Chand, who is a storyteller who's apparently a, a very vibrant, rich character who's going to tell stories that mix the Punjab and England and tell us stories of him growing up and his parents moving to England. Um, and that's at uh, Dus Dudley. Dudley. <laughs> Dudley. I vow never to say that. Dudley Music M Muslim Association on the twenty sixth of February, and I think it starts at seven o'clock. Excellent. Well, uh, I suppose I'd just like to say, well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank for you for the twenty eighth of February. That is quite soon. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much.